All right, time for us to have a little chat with our Vaughn Palmer on this Friday before Christmas. Good morning, Vaughn. Hey, good morning, Simi, and wonderful to hear my favorite Christmas song again and in the year that Shane McGowan died. Yeah. Uh, quite especially touching. Uh, if you haven't seen it, folks, uh, go on to YouTube. Uh, you can see McGowan's funeral. It in was Dublin. something. And they did the song live. And people danced. <laughs> it was re- that was really some kind of funeral. I haven't seen anything quite like yeah. that before. Uh, McGowan would have been laughing. Uh, it's amazing that he made it to age sixty nine. You know, uh, given the way he lived. But what a tremendous songwriter he was. Uh, there are a lot of great songs out there, but uh, that to me is the best Christmas song ever. I know. That's why we played it. We know it's your favorites. That's our little gift to you today. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, We're going to talk about end of the year. You know, politicians, they always sit down and they have these end of the year conversations. I think people are hearing a lot of those right now. What's on the mind of Premier David Eby? Uh, He admits he's got a problem. I mean, give him credit for admitting it. Uh, The recent stories in all media, and my colleague Katie DeRose's stuff in uh, Vancouver Sun, but there's been other stories as well on Global and elsewhere, there is a serious problem in British Columbia with uh, cancer care. Uh, We used to lead the country in our metrics on that, as they say, and we've now got a huge problem uh, with people getting treatment. Uh, Some just heartbreaking stories recently, uh, people... Uh, waiting and waiting and waiting in pain. Uh, In a couple of cases, people who took medically assisted death because they couldn't handle it any longer. Uh, And others who have paid for chemo in the United States and for other cancer treatment in the United States to raise the money and just gone and paid for it because they got tired of waiting. So uh, Katie did the year-end interview for The Sun, uh, Post Media, and E.B. didn't argue with the stories. You know, he, he did not. I'll give him credit for this. He didn't come back with statistics the way Adrian Dix does. The premier said, yes, there's a problem. He admitted it. And he says the government has to tackle the key measurement, which is our people getting the treatment within the recommended optimum time. And for radiation therapy in British Columbia, it's that you get it within four weeks of diagnosis. Not sure what it is for chemo, but that's for radiation therapy. And you want a statistic, one quarter of British Columbians diagnosed with cancer are not getting that's radiation awful. therapy. You know, that, that is window. unacceptable yeah. to me. That That's a daily yeah. torture that you are putting people through. Yeah. And I mean, Cindy, it's especially true because, as I say, we used to lead the country. Uh, on cancer care. You know, when when started doing stories about wait lists on for health care in British Columbia way back last time the NDP were in government, uh, when uh, the BC Liberals had troubles on that issue, you usually would say somewhere in the story, but on cancer care, we deal with it, right? The ERs are good. That's right. Cancer care, we act quickly, we head it off, we treat people, and uh, that's why we have the gold standard. Now, we've known the system has been in trouble for a while. It didn't just start under the new Democrats, but it's gotten worse. And I think, you know, when the premier says, we've got to look at this, we've got to deal with this, um, he's acknowledging at least that he has a big challenge heading into the new year. What's he going to do about it? Well, he points to the cancer care plan they announced earlier this year. So they put in $450 million into it. 
it's rightly been considered, criticized Simi as aspirational. It's here's what we're going to do. We're going to build new cancer centers. We're going to recruit doctors and radiologists and all that. It doesn't have timetables and specific metrics that you can say, okay, if you haven't made it by this date, you're not there yet. So the premier is asking for a lot of patience from people as well. He says uh, people have to realize their waiting lists are reality and they have to believe the government is on the right track. He's right about that. Mm-hmm. I think, Simi, some of the recent stories are making it harder for people to believe the government is on the right track. The stats are interesting. That's one of his problems. Yeah, and the stats are interesting too. You pointed out that 16%, there's been a 16% increase in the number of patients seeking treatment. That has a lot to do with our aging population too, and we're getting better at finding cancer. Like those are things that we could have seen coming. Yeah, it's true, Simi. I mean, people have been talking about this in theoretical sense. Look, I, I remember a doctor telling me this. Yeah, you live long enough, you're going to get cancer. Is statistically, it's an awful thing to say, but it, like, yeah. you know, it, it, these are these are uh, this is in particular a disease where the stats go up as you get older, and that means, as you say, Simi, with uh, the aging population in British Columbia, uh, full of people like me, the demand for the services is going to increase. And and Eby says, yeah, and that's one reason why the New Democrats did something that in the past would have been unthinkable for an NDP government, which is to start paying for hundreds of people to get radiation therapy in Bellingham. We're going to see more of that. We're going to have to see more of that. You know, um, again, Eby said this, right? He said, look, being told there's a new cancer center going to open in your community in a few years isn't much comfort if you need the treatment within four weeks. Uh, so uh, at least it was there was a sense of realism in what he said in his year-end interview. And uh, he's got, well, next year he's got to assure people that, as he says, the government is on the right track. Right. And... I think that is going to take some persuasion. And even though and I've had notes from people on this saying, well, you know, anecdotes, anecdotes, right? You, you yeah. can't make policy, public policy based on anecdotes. Well, it doesn't take very many stories like some of the ones we've had recently of that woman in Victoria Awful, yeah. who took medically assisted death. Uh, and her last act was to fill six boxes full of birthday cards for her six grandchildren to be read each year on their birthdays till they turn 18. I mean, it's hard to even talk about that. And not it really is. Up. So, you know, yeah, you can't make good public policy on anecdotes, but I think the anecdotes, the case histories, let's not call them anecdotes, the case histories, are what's killing the government on this issue. Very true. Use the word killing given the circumstances. We heard about what the premier has had to say. What about the leader of the opposition, Kevin Falcon? Well, I'll give the premier credit for at least acknowledging the problem with cancer care in British Columbia. Uh, Opposition leader, BC United leader, Kevin Falcon, uh, I would say is in denial. Interview with Dirk Meisner, Canadian Press, here in interview, he says the opinion polls are BS, is quote, BS. Well, 
opinion polls can be wrong and they can also change. But I think the thing to emphasize at the moment is that they all say pretty much the same thing here in British Columbia. Say the New Democrats, uh, people are unhappy with their record and some issues, but they're still going to reelect the NDP if the election were held tomorrow. They say the BC Conservatives are in second place, and they say Kevin Falcon and BC United have failed to connect with the BC public. So Falcon says that's BS. I think he ought to look at, you know, we can point to some plausible reasons for that. He says that when people say, oh, we're going to vote Conservative, um, they're really just thinking of Pierre Polyev. They aren't going, hey, we really like this guy, John Rustad. He says they wouldn't recognize John Rustad if they met him in the street. I'm not sure they'd recognize Kevin Falcon either, but let's have that. But look, uh, Falcon's got a big problem. Um, Rustad, uh, whatever one thinks of the BC Conservatives, yes, he's, uh, I think, benefiting from the Polyev wave, but he's also adopting a lot of Polyev's positions. When he goes to the voters in the fall of 2024, Rustad's going to be saying pretty much what Polyev's. I'm going to get rid of the carbon tax. He's picked up a lot of the same issues. So um, it isn't just voter confusion. People, yes, recognize conservatism as a brand. They recognize a brand that's been defined to some degree by Pierre Polyev. But um, when they go looking on the ballot, uh, when they start tuning into the campaign in the fall of next year, they're going to be hearing a lot of the same messages from Rustad. He's, He's capitalizing on this. So Meanwhile, there's the BC United problem, Simi and um, Rust. Uh, uh, Kevin Falcon says, when the election rolls around, people are going to see that BC United is the plausible alternative to the government, that they have the team and they're ready and they have the resources. Well, I think you can test that claim by the state of BC United right now. So Kevin Falcon, Simi, changed the name of the party back in April. Here we are, however, many months later. At the time, he acknowledged that it would be a rebranding exercise. You'd have to go out and tell people you've got a new party here. We're not BC Liberals anymore. We're BC United. Where do these things stand on that? You know, Simi, last month, late last month, BC United admitted that its rebranding fund is empty. Really? And is they're trying to raise money to fill it. And I go, you changed the name of your party without pick a number, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Without a plan? In the bank? Yeah. To- for an advertising campaign? Yeah. Why would you do that if you weren't ready to immediately start telling people, hey, change their name. You know, hey, we're, we were used to be the BC Liberals. Now we're BC United. I think, you know, that that problem can be laid at Kevin Falcon's feet. And I think I'm hearing from a number of BC United supporters privately, they aren't speaking publicly yet, are saying just that, that this party changed its name without the money for a rebranding campaign, and they're still waiting for the rebranding campaign. There have been bits and pieces and little ads and some stuff on social media, but nothing like uh, what you would expect 
from a yeah, and businesses do this too, but they put a lot of money aside to, yeah. to rebrand too. Is it possible that they thought, Vaughn, that they really did think there was going to be an early election and that that would help them with this? It's a good guess. Um, you know, I, I don't entirely blame opposition politicians for not believing the NDP leader when he says, I'm not going to call a snap election because that's exactly what John Horgan did to them in 2020 and he ambushed them. So I, you can see, yes, that's not a bad theory that they might have hedged. I think the other thing that Falcon did not see coming was the rise of the B.C. Conservatives. Mm, he true. kicked John Rustad out of the caucus. And by the way, in the year-end interview, he says he has no regrets about doing that. Rustad was a disruptive force. Um, Kevin Falcon's rationale for changing the name of the party from B.C. Liberals to B.C. United was to end the confusion with voters who go looking, uh, look at the ballot and go, BC Liberal, what's that? So his argument was to end the confusion. Well, Simi, the confusion is worse than ever. I wonder how confused BC voters were when they managed to elect the Liberals in, in a bunch of elections and give them the most votes even in the two elections that the Liberals lost. So, you know, I, I don't in, know. Uh, in yeah. 96 and, and 2017. So I, you know, I think he's got a lot to answer for. If he's right, he's going to take one hell of a victory lap next, <laughs> next October. And we'll if be- he's wrong, it's going to be easy to point your finger at where the blame goes. And either way, we'll be talking about it. Um, so Vaughn, listen, have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy yourself. Happy Christmas. You too, and I'm going to go put the pokes on. You do that. Thank you for that. That's that's Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun.